tuning in tonight a couple of things tonight that are quite exciting first of all i'm sure as many of you know there is the super moon lunar eclipse also super moon lunar eclipse moon festival so for those of you who uh may know uh, the the, um super moon lunar eclipse so so sort of like two things happening at once um that is happening tonight just after 9 p.m but it's also the chinese moon festival which is the um chinese holiday asian holiday i like to say because it's not just chinese uh it's it's the one that people don't know as much as let's say chinese new year so it's but it's the um like second Biggest holiday uh, on the calendar and uh, also known as the Chinese Mid-Autumn Festival. And this is actually the second year that I did a little bit of work um, with Loblaws in promoting the Moon Festival and just telling people about it and letting them know that it exists because um, the Moon Cake, which is a pastry that is really special to this particular holiday, is something that you can find this time of year. And it was something that... Growing up, my brother and I, we didn't really know why we got mooncake once a year. We knew that it was kind of special. We didn't know much about the, the you know, moon festival or the mid-autumn festival, let's say, because we were growing up in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And I can't say that there are many places that we could buy this sort of thing or access it. But uh, but now, anyway, I've been doing some work with Loblaws and with TNT and um, Superstore because they carry these products. And the whole point of me working with them was to just let people know that you can get really unique food from different ethnicities and backgrounds just at your regular superstore. So just something to look into. If you want to try a moon cake, you can. I suggest that you don't eat the whole thing. It's about the size of, let's say, a donut, but it's very, very dense, usually made of um, red bean paste or lotus bean paste. You'll find different, a lot of different flavors exist now. Like when I was growing up, there was just one variety. And you'll often find inside of it, um, if you're kind of lucky, you get the salted duck yolk which I know might sound a little bit strange, but if you're familiar with some Chinese cuisine or pastries, you'll know that um, it's that's sort of like the treasure in the middle of everything is to get the salted duck yolk. So just be adventurous. Think about it. If someone offers you a little slice of moon cake, you might want to, you know, accept and try it. It's, it's very heavy and very dense, so you would only have a little bit of it with some tea. So enjoy, and I would like to wish everyone a very happy moon festival. Um, or as I like to call it, sort of like three holidays in one or three special events in one, the Supermoon Lunar Eclipse Moon Festival. It's a lot of things happening today. Um, so that is your little, I guess, cultural, um, I don't know, entertainment information for the evening. Uh, hey, I live near the Rogers Center and I am amazed whenever, I'm not that amazed, but it is kind of it's a, a bit impressive, actually, that when there's a game going on for the like hour or two hours after it's over, the sea of blue jerseys that surround me is so incredible to see. Today, I, I thought I would get out for a really quick run, and I made the mistake of doing that just as the game had ended, so... There wasn't much of a a jog happening around the Rogers Center, but it was really it's really nice to see so many people supporting the Jays. And I know that a lot of people have jumped on the bandwagon this year. 
um, and that the hardcore, you know, diehard fans um, kind of grumble about it because people are jumping on saying, you know, that they're fans just because the team is doing well. But I say the more support that you can that you can have for a local team and the energy that it brings, hey, the better. I don't care if you just jumped on the bandwagon two weeks ago and now you're rooting for them. That's great. We should be supporting uh, what's happening here in the city and what's going on locally because I think we really like to complain about everything else. Traffic and infrastructure and politics and taxes. If there's one thing we can at least celebrate, it's the really expensive baseball team. Um, I would like to know, too, if anyone has gone to a game this season. Text in at 7-10-10. I have not. I'm assuming that tickets have been pretty hard to get, probably quite challenging because they've been doing so well. Um, so let me know. 7-10-10. Of course, the show is live. You can text in anytime. Let me know what you're thinking. And uh, I also want to remind you just quickly that I'll be at the Toronto Home Show October 1st to the 4th. I'll be hosting the stage and doing a cooking demo Friday at noon and then uh, Saturday at 1230. So if you happen to be down at the Home Show or if you want tickets, because I gave away a bunch of tickets two weeks ago, then please come down and say hi. And you can also pick up tickets at the door. It's at uh, the Better Living Center and Exhibition Place. So come down. It's Thursday to Sunday. And we'd de definitely love to uh, meet any of you who are listening. And coming up later on the show, I'll tell you about the Eatable Film Festival. That's taking place in Toronto and that will let you immerse yourself into food and film. It is Toronto's uh, first food film festival, which was kind of surprising that it's taken this long for someone to do it. But I'll tell you more about that. Also, I'll be giving away tickets to the uh, opening screening next Sunday. But first, I want to introduce you to my guest who's in studio with me. And, uh, you know, I, it, we've got webcams as well, Newstalk1010.com. So you can always uh, stream the show, take a look at the show if you want. I often forget to warn guests that we have webcams in here. But uh, you might recognize my guest, Julie Miguel, who was a contestant on uh, the first season yeah. of MasterChef Canada. So that was already, what, two, three years ago? Uh, two years ago, there... Filming the third season right now. Yeah. So it's been two years since you were on there, and yeah. you came in seventh. Yeah. So I do remember watching you for many, many weeks. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and, and charting your progress. Um, you're also a frequent guest on the Marilyn Dennis Show, so yep. people will know you from that. And um, like a lot of people who you end up becoming familiar with because they compete on a TV show or a reality show, um, you, sometimes for some people... More comes from that. And and you've been able to kind of build a little career for yourself. But what I like uh, about the notes that you sent me, which was that um, nothing was handed to you. It wasn't like you were on MasterChef Canada no. and suddenly people were knocking your door down. Yes, that's the misconception. People think that because I was on the show, it's why I'm doing what I'm doing now. But I'm, it, it's it, not it the pushed case. Me to, no, it pushed me to do that. I mean, it made yeah. me start my blog and all that sort of stuff and leveraged me in different other ways. But... Definitely nothing was handed to me. So when you did the show, um, because obviously it's taped well in advance of when we see it. Yep. So what was what happened, I guess, you know, after the show was on and how did your life sort of change from that? I returned to my job as a senior bankruptcy analyst. That mm -hmm. was what your job was. Yes. Oh, so I knew you worked for the city, right? The uh, no, the, the federal government. Okay. So that was my most recent job. Um, mm -hmm. so I went back to work because I wasn't allowed to tell anyone where I was. Oh, oh, they didn't even know what you yes, were doing. So, no, they didn't know what I was doing. So I was basically away for like almost six weeks. And what did you tell your boss? Um, my boss, I was allowed to tell. Okay. Uh, where I was going. And he 
demanded I tell him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so no one knew where I was. I came back. Um, and it's funny because then, you know, I got pregnant like right after the show. <laughs> so uh, I luckily, like, I, I mean, it was nice for me. I got to leave like 10 months later. So oh, okay. I went back to work and then yeah. I have I had Dylan. So you have two little boys. Yeah. Um, Dylan is here. He's no, full. Dean is oh, here. Oh, Dean is here. Yeah. And Dylan <laughs> is a little one. one. Yeah. So when you were shooting MasterChef Canada, uh, Dean was only, what, two? Two. Yeah. That's and, tough. Yeah. And I had to, we were sequestered. So I had to leave my husband and uh, Dean to fend for themselves. And my husband doesn't cook or. <gasps> he doesn't at all. Well, because you do the cooking. Right. So he, he knows how to do a few things, but he didn't do. Uh... Like reheat? <laughs> <laughs> he can cook pasta and eggs. and Okay. That's yeah. Good. Like he can do the some basics. things. He survived and so did Dean. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's here. So yeah. and he looks, he looks pretty healthy. <laughs> it looks like he's gotten the basic nutrients yeah. that, uh, that he needs. So then, um, then you had your second. Yep. And then after you had your second, so I guess you had your mat leave, right? Yes. And then you went back to work. No, I didn't. You At all? You didn't go back? No, I didn't go back. So, um, like, my son is home with me right now. He's not in daycare, obviously, my little mm -hmm. one. This this guy's in school. Dean's in school. Um, but my little one is home, and so I'm part-time mom, part-time mompreneur. Yes. <laughs> well, we're going to talk a bit more about that because you started a food blog, which was food was your passion. That was your interest. That's why you applied to be on this food show. Absolutely. And then after that, you just worked really hard to try and somehow churn your interest because you were what? What did you say? You were a bankruptcy investigator? An analyst. So Ban I, I was okay. an investigator before that. And before that, I was a law clerk. So I've had a number of careers, both in the legal and financial industry mm -hmm. and then um yeah i wanted to stay in food somehow especially being on the show yeah so i started the blog and that's kind of where all this sort of started happening so i'll uh we'll talk, talk a, bit. a bit more about that yeah, yeah so i'm really curious to know more about how you started you know your own business and then have transitioned it into being an actual job one where you didn't have to go back to the other job that right. you that you left and uh and then if anyone has questions for julie you can also text in at 7 10 10 if you have a question about you know um being an entrepreneur or maybe you have an interest in in blogging because that's where it does start for a lot of people but i think some people think that oh i started a blog and now everything's going to come but there's a, a lot mm -hmm. of it's work. You have to treat it like a job. And yes. I think that's something that people have to realize. Yeah. And also just managing your finances too, right? Like, do you just suddenly one day walk into your boss's office and say, I quit because I want to, you know, make jewelry or I want to do this. Um, there's a little that bit would of be planning. Nice. That would be nice. <laughs> there's a bit of planning involved so that you actually can succeed. So we're going to talk to Julie a bit more about that and, and um, about her work as a food blogger and as a food presenter you do a lot of different things food stylist so you you have created a little business for yourself so we'll talk about your success also your failures because that comes with it too yeah so julie's <laughs> gonna stick around and uh we'll talk more about that again you can text in if you like at 7 10 10 we're taking a quick break you're listening to the page Chen show on in-depth radio news talk 10 10 This is the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Hey, thanks for tuning in and welcome back to the show. Um, 
my guest in studio, who I'm just uh, actually meeting for the first time, but I feel like we know each other because social media and the internet brings people together. Um, if you've ever wondered how to turn your hobby or your passion into a job, my guest did just that uh, while being a wife and a mother to two little boys. So Julie Miguel is a home cook who competed on the first season of MasterChef Canada, uh, is currently a frequent guest on the Marilyn Dennis Show, and uh, has churned that, you know, short bit of attention on MasterChef Canada into a food career, which was completely unrelated to the job that you had before working for the federal government. Yeah. Because I heard all I heard was finances, taxes, <laughs> law clerk, and all of that just didn't even compute in my mind. <laughs> the the uh, best part of my job, though, was organizing potlucks. That's oh. like, <laughs> that really was the best part of my job. Yeah. And so I feel like that relates yes. to what I'm doing now. Yeah. Uh, but no, it was it's completely unrelated. I always had this, like, since I was a young girl, I loved cooking, but I loved business and I loved, like, professional being professional and I wanted mm -hmm. suits to work. That was, like, my goal. And then I got there and I was like, why did I ever want this? <laughs> I love that you wanted to wear suits to work. Yeah. I used to want to buy suits when I was little. And my mother yeah. was like, you're not wearing that. Because it looks like, it's like, this is fancy. Yes. This is, people will take me seriously. I work downtown. Yeah. Like wore heels. I loved it. I, I Like I missed that a little bit. but There's a social aspect to having an office to go oh, to, yeah. which is kind of nice. And that I miss as well because I work from home a lot. Um, so, you know, how do you feel about the title mompreneur? Because it's a mashup of like being a mom and an entrepreneur at the same time. I don't mind it while my son is little and still at home. But mm -hmm. once he's like in school, I don't think I'll call myself that anymore. Yeah, because you've got two little boys. So um, Dean is here. Yeah. And he's four years old. Um, Dean, can, Elliot, can we throw his mic up a little? Because he's actually quite uh, chatty. So Dean. Hi. Say hi. Hi. Hey, Dean. Um, do you like to help your mom cook? You want Yes. Yes. What do you like to cook at home? You want to tell me? Mm, what did muffins? you muffins? <laughs> you made me some muffins tonight, didn't you? Did you? So, what can you tell me? What kind of muffins these are? Tell her what flavor they are. Banana. Banana. And what else is in there? Yeah. So say it out loud. Banana and chocolate. You have to say it so that I can hear you. Banana. That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> And is there a food, is there something you like to make for supper at home with your mom? What do you like to eat for supper? Uh, sometimes mommy helps me with, with, with my breakfast. And what do you make for breakfast? What do you like to make for breakfast? Waffles. Waffles. <laughs> Good job. So this is, so um, Dean is the four-year-old and you've got the one-year-old at home. Yep, Dylan. And, uh, You've always loved cooking, which yes. I think is, you know, I think that's the thing is that people often find that they have this interest, this passion that's always been there with them. But it is just something that you do on the side. It's yeah. not often something you think of as well, making a career I, out of. I did it out of a need because when my mother passed away when we were 15, uh, well, me and my sister are 15. I'm a, I'm a twin. Mm -hmm. um, anyways, so, you know, I cooked a lot more then. I, I learned to cook more things. Me and my father kind of took over that role. And then I met my boyfriend, at, my boyfriend, husband, now husband, at 17, and I used to cook for him, like, every night. So I'd come out home from school and, like, college and cook for him. Wow. So I was just really into it. It was, like, my goal for the night. I'm going to cook a cool dinner, a good dinner, you know? But it came out of a bit of a, a need because when your mom passed away when you were 15, uh, your dad suddenly had four kids. Right. To, to take care of. Right. 
and then you sort of thought, well, I guess I should uh, pitch in. Yeah. Well, we were the, we were the youngest, so I mean, mm -hmm. my brothers were older, but you still got to cook for them, right? So yeah, I definitely learned a lot during that time. And my fa my father's a great cook, so he he also you know learned a lot during that time. <laughs> so what made you decide to not go back to your job? D investigating bankruptcy <laughs> <laughs> that, that's exactly what I do actually so uh bang on um you know what I I always said I would never be a stay-at-home mom like yeah. I really did but then after having my second and realizing like kind of the grind of dropping your kids off really early and then picking them up really late and then being in daycare for eight hours a day and like mm -hmm. the expenses and the expense was big and driving downtown, taking the go train. I was like, I don't, I feel like I don't have a life. Yeah. And really like I wanted to be home with him. So I decided I'm just going to do this for now mm -hmm. and see if it works. And like literally the, the week after, like I got my last like maternity leave paycheck, <laughs> you know, whatever that is. Yeah. Um, I started to get all this work. It's like the world works out. And I feel like being positive is like one thing that's really helped me because I always feel like things are going to work out. So mm -hmm. I don't get nervous about it. And it has so far, like knock on wood. So let's tell people what you've been up to. So you've got okay. a really beautiful blog, dailyteramisu.com. Yep. So you've got some really nice recipes up there. Thank a lot you. Of very family friendly because that is your world as well as yep. to have to feed a family. You've got two and little kids. Just starting that, just uh, like as a little bit of background, I started that to stay in food, but I also started it to practice writing because in business and like working for the government, I mean, you write letters, but you don't write, you know. They're, it's very formal. Right. It's a different language. Yes. So yeah. I, I did that to practice the writing. I love taking food pictures. So I did it to like practice food styling and, and food photography. For you. Yeah. And then I got approached by a, an editor who I currently work with in a small team. And we now produce, um, they're called, I call them private magazine publications. Mm -hmm. So like a grocery store will approach us and, uh, sorry, we'll approach grocery stores and we'll make, um, little magazines for them for the holidays oh, and nice. like it doesn't seem like a lot of work but we have a, a team of like really amazing people and we can do it like really efficiently yeah. and that's kind of the main bulk of of my business right now so recipe development and food styling for those magazines and then I do a little bit of media and uh hosting and that's kind of I call myself a digital like a uh, content producer because well that's well, I that produce content yeah and you do produce a lot of it now uh, what about uh, like rejection and failure that's a big part of starting up your own business or at least trying something new oh yeah absolutely I I went through basically the first year and a half of the blog I was looking at my analytics and I'm like like no one's reading this thing <laughs> like why am I doing it I mean you you really question why you're doing it why you're like up till one in the morning trying to get a post up and editing pictures like it's a lot of work mm -hmm. and even just learning blogs like it's very technical and I'm still yeah. learning a lot about that. So I, I have gone through like a lot of ups and downs when it comes to that sort of stuff. I've been really fortunate that now I'm surrounded by a good group of people who we keep growing together. That's good. And I'm learning a lot from them. So I've been very fortunate that way. Um, actually, a listener texted in and asked what blogging site you might recommend for someone's first blog. Okay. Because you were, like you said, you didn't have that technical background. I didn't either. I had to hire someone to help me set up a yeah. WordPress <laughs> website. So do you have a site that okay, you so would I recommend? Okay, so I started on Blogger, which okay. is free with Google. And then I realized there was all these restrictions with, Google, uh, with Blogger. So I moved over my whole blog. So I basically lost all like yikes everything yeah like I don't know what it's called but anyways now I'm on WordPress and I have a hosting company who who hosts my blog and so you know I pay a little bit of a fee I think it's like three dollars a month mm -hmm. but it's worth it because whenever I have a problem I have someone to call into yeah so that helps a lot like they're like 24 hours like chat and I find that really helps especially if you're not technically savvy yes so yeah it's a WordPress site but it's wordpress.org 
Now, and what about making money? Because I think that's the challenge for a lot of people. They might have, they're like, well, I need my full-time job or I need the job that I have because I need to pay rent. I have gas to pay. Right. I've got to feed the kids. Um, I love doing X, you know, whether it's um, makeup or making crafts or jewelry or food. Um, like, just what are your quick tips in terms of actually monetizing your talent and your skill? I say the most important thing is to put yourself out there and make yourself accessible and available. Like, I know that sounds a little bit creepy, but put yourself out there, like blast social media, like not in an annoying way, but... But you know what, you make a very good point because you have a very strong online presence and I think people need to understand that online is where a lot of networking is done. Absolutely. That's where I've met most of my people. I get inquiries like all the time, like through like DMs and PMs, like personal messages yeah. all the time, you know, like saying like, hey, like we might be able to work together, you know, like just curiosity. And then it turns into work. And I've also uh, just for going back to the blogging, I've also um, I'm a member of Food Bloggers of Canada. Mm -hmm. And through them, once you're a member, you can you can actually apply to uh, sponsored posts. So like they're called opportunities and you, you apply to them. And then if you're if your blog has, you know, a good tr amount of traffic, mm -hmm. you get these sponsored blog posts where they'll send you the product and you'll get paid for it. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a little so, bit of money there. So there's also, it's a great way to find um, groups, associations, communities of like-minded people. Yes, absolutely. Who can help you leverage you know, what they know, and right. maybe if you work together in, in some way, like somebody might say, I could really use someone who knows how to work with... Um, bananas I'm like right. oh well, yeah. this woman loves bananas <laughs> <laughs> no absolutely and it's like marketing yourself like saying yeah. you can do a lot of things you know like and don't don't think anything's beneath you kind of like you try things so like even the food styling I was like I didn't even know what a food stylist was so when someone did you just convince yourself someone yeah else? I was like well, you know what I was looking around like I, what food stylist really was I kind of defined it on my own and I was like yeah maybe I am a food stylist you know what <laughs> I'm gonna look at what food stylists charge and I'm gonna start marketing myself that way and that's how you do it you know yeah. show that you can do it and market yourself that way and people believe it and what we said very quickly <laughs> off air as well was that um you there's sometimes you should take opportunities and do them because they present themselves but if you are really good at what you do and this is what i say to people all the time who ask me for advice because i'm 100 self-employed um and that's challenging because i don't have a steady job i if you ask me what i'm doing in the next two months i don't know because it's pretty open it's but exciting. this month was really busy <laughs> but what I tell people is if you know that you're good at what you do and that you have a skill and people are coming to you for that skill then you do not work for free you charge for it because it's very hard to turn around and tell someone that they should pay you when you've been working for free right. for a while so you kind I of think, have to do like a cost benefit analysis yeah like that's the way I do it you know like if it's good really good PR I mean you're not going to ask for money like right. if it's something like sometimes things pr help promote you so, right absolutely yeah. so and or you get to new, know a new contact sometimes that's worth it in, in itself yeah. right so like you have to be reasonable too yeah so just know your worth um, Julie you've been great thank you so much her website if you want to take a look has beautiful photos and recipes dailytiramisu.com also thank you Dean for being here and thank you for the muffins and when we come back, you'll have a chance uh, to win tickets to the Eatable Film. More with Chen on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Hey, welcome back to the uh, Supermoon Lunar Eclipse Moon Festival 3. Big things happening tonight. Um, if you love film and food, and why would you... Who would ever dislike one of those things, uh, let alone both of those things? Um, so you should combine them by taking part in Toronto's first food film 
Festival. It's taking place Sunday, October 4th to October 6th. I have Rachel Lowe on the line, the executive director of Eatable Film Festival. Hey, Rachel. Hi there. So this is the first uh, food film festival in Toronto. Is that right? That's it. I'm kind of amazed that it's the first, that no one's done this yet because we are such an amazing food city. Well, that's exactly how I felt. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, that's, and that's why Eatable is, uh, is launching this year because, as you say, Toronto is a city that loves film and loves food. And we wanted to bring them together and, and give people uh, an immersive food experience connected to the film. So now... Like, describe this festival a little bit for me, because when I think of, at first I thought, well, food film festival, you're probably showing some movies that, you know, center around food or have a heavy um, food presence and and beautiful, you know, let's say food styling. But you've done something where you're really incorporating, like, cocktails and food into the screening and the experience itself. Exactly. I mean, there are... There are uh, food film festivals, and I, I would definitely say that it is a growing trend um, kind of worldwide. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people are just so interested in food. And I think that, you know, our idea was to give people something where they could really feel like they were part of it. So, for example, um, there's kind of a fabulous film about Sherry called Sherry and the Mystery of Palo Cortado. And we felt, well, if you're going to watch a film about sherry, wouldn't <laughs> it be better if you were drinking a sherry cocktail of while course. you do that? And having pinchos like tapas <laughs> as well, because that's how sherry tastes best with something to eat. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, that was a bit of a natural because one of our most exciting chefs and restaurants is... Um, Grant Van Gameren, who has um, run Bar Isabel and Bar Raval, and he loves all things sherry. And so this is almost part of like, okay, so what's so great about sherry? Sherry really is kind of amazing, but it's also a bit of a hidden thing. Mm-hmm. So we thought, don't just show a film about it. Have people, people can come <laughs> to the screening and taste as well. Now, how did you select these films? Because um, there are titles that I've never heard of, so they're a bit more <laughs> on the obscure side. It's not like uh, you're showing... Um, so It's so funny when people talk about food and film. They're like, oh, did you love Ratatouille? I'm like, I never I never saw <laughs> well, that cartoon. Well, actually, no, no, it's a, it's, a good, it's a good question. And I, I think, you know, you definitely could show that. But we actually, so we have two first-run films, both of which we actually... Uh, screened at the Berlin Film Festival, which has a big culinary cinema program. And so it was really a choice. And these were the ones that kind of spoke to me because as soon as I saw the Sherry one, I thought, wouldn't that be fun to bring to Toronto and, and screen it with, 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 uh, um, with a whole bunch of people drinking Sherry. And also (laughs) because Grant Van Gameren, you know, had such a popular um, restaurant. Actually, hadn't even opened Bar Raval when I thought of this. Oh, okay. And uh, I actually pitched the idea to him in a snowstorm, and it was like, you know, sure. <laughs> we love Sherry. So um, the next one um, is, uh, we didn't pick it just for the title, although it is called Sergio Herman, Fucking Perfect. And it is effing perfect. And it is, um, it's just a fantastic documentary about a chef in Holland 
who has three Michelin stars by the time he turns 40. And it's really like, what is the price of perfection? I just think, you know, people are so fascinated with chefs. And um, I just thought it would be, it's, it's fantastic to think, well, what does it actually take? We say three Michelin stars, but mm-hmm. what does that mean um, on a day-to-day basis? And he's a super handsome dude and just it's a great it's a great story so and so that one we're also pairing with we want to have some fun with it um and so we're pairing that with like the idea is the perfect cocktail the perfect bite and some chef made um movie concession treats oh very nice and so you've got three three days three days basically so three different films that's right and And the the last one is actually a classic Mm -hmm. i don't know if you remember i'm not familiar no not at all it's 30 years old this year. Oh, wow. But a lot, it's a bit of a cult. It's a bit of the Rocky Horror of food. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, and a, a lot of people consider it to be kind of the best film about food. There's a little bit of sex in there um, that that has been made. And it's, it's, it's just a fantastic story about somebody trying to make the absolute, a woman trying to make the perfect bowl of ramen. But there are many other food stories that are part of it. And um, so for that one, we decided to actually serve a five-course. Well, it's more like snacks, but yeah. um, uh, during the film. That's fun. Well, I that's the thing for me is when I'm watching a movie, I want to have better food than just like nachos and, and popcorn. Right? So, um, that's it. That's so now, the heart of it. <laughs> the, the heart of it is that you get to actually have like good food made by fantastic chefs and watch these interesting films. Um, so the website is eatablefilms.com if people want to pick up tickets. And exactly. I know it's at different locations. So the, we actually have tickets to give away um, to the first the first day of screening. So that's next Sunday. Um, that's right. And I know that there's like sort of different price points. So if you want to do just the movie, the movie yeah. includes, you know, uh, sherry cocktail, some pinchos, a little sherry taste. But then for people who are really interested in having the full experience, you can go to the screening and then also purchase uh, a dinner afterwards. That's right. That's right. A five-course sherry-tasting dinner at Bar Isabel, and there's going to be pretty – I mean, so that's actually uh, drinking sherry with every course, which is – Quite a lot of fun. So just remember to take a cab at the end of the night, basically. For sure. um, Well, thanks so much for your time, Rachel, and uh, congrats on the festival. Thank you so much. So that's the that's eatablefilms.com. So for your chance to win tickets, I have a pair of passes to give away to the 3 p.m. screening next Sunday. And I have a pair of passes to give away to the 6.30 p.m. screening. So text in 71010. I need your full name and your email address. And just let me know if you're entering for the daytime screening, that's 3 p.m., or the nighttime screening, at 6.30, uh, and Elliot and I will give you a few minutes to get your entries in, and then we will pick one winner for each greeting time. So make sure you send in your full name and email address because your tickets will be sent to you by email. All right, so we're taking a quick break here on the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. You're listening to the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Hey, thanks for listening tonight. Uh, Vinny White is in studio. I'm gearing up for the super moon lunar eclipse, which is happening shortly after nine. That's Can you exciting. explain that to me? I don't think I understand it. Well, the super moon. <laughs> oh, my God, Vinny. I'm so angry at you right now. I am so. Can you tell people why I'm so mad at you right now? 
that I can't even pretend to want to answer your question. <laughs> the super moon is going to look like a red moon, and it's when... I want to tell the... them. I don't want to leave them out. It's not fair. No, tell them what happened just now. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. You are the worst. You are the worst. Listen, sometimes it's a perfectly natural bodily function. I may have dropped an air biscuit. Oh, my God. It's just a little cheeky one slipped out. Uh, no, you pushed it out, like, forcefully. <laughs> I watched you do that. You just you waited until you walked into this room, and then you just dropped a bomb. I don't know what you ate. It's awful. I, you put me into such a bad mood right now. Uh, thanks to everyone for entering the... Uh, <laughs> The ticket giveaway for Eatable Films. We do have a, a winner. So David Banyas and Sharon Mo Moore, which I believe is your last name. Thanks for entering. Uh, we'll get your info out to the organizers and they will email you a confirmation for your ticket. So enjoy. Enjoy, uh, enjoy the screening. Um, you will get a little sherry tasting during the screening. So I'll have fun with that. Oh, my God, Vinny, you were, I just, like, I hate you so much, I actually want to walk out of the room <laughs> and just leave you on your own for the next 10 minutes. I'm sorry that I did little toot. I, you know, and my guest brought me muffins. How nice was that? Julie and her son made muffins. I was going to offer you one, but I'm not going to anymore because you're horrible, and I will offer them instead to Elliot. Elliot's Yay! not horrible. Elliot would not just come in here and fart. <laughs> you don't know that, but no, you're right. I you wouldn't would. do that to me, Elliot. I know, I know you'd walk out of the room and do it. I've smelt one of Elliot's before. He's done it in there, and I've gone in there. And well, he's... he's a lot nicer to me. Actually, yours aren't that bad, Elliot. Well done. Um, uh, that doesn't sound like me at all. Do you, Trump, ever? Do you ever drop a little air biscuit? I wouldn't do that in the studio in front of other people. Okay. Should we, should we oh, move they on? Come, you know, Anyway, this is something you might enjoy that I uh, I found online today. I actually was on um, Munchies. There's a guy who, what a brilliant <laughs> guy he is. He's trying to start like a crowdfunding campaign. You're laughing so hard that your face is so red. It's like the, uh, the red of this logo. So this guy, I'm trying to tell you a story here and distract myself from how horrid it is inside this room right now. Okay. Um, oh, this, this is young guy. I'm trying to tell you a real I'm sorry. story. Go ahead. This young guy mm. is trying to uh, get some funding so that he can like mass produce his protein fitness beer. Like, come on, everyone's that's that's going to pique a lot of interest. Basically, he was like a skinny, a scrawny guy who was trying to bulk up, which is the case for a lot of guys that I know. They have the luxury of trying to gain weight, yeah. whereas most women are trying to shed pounds. Yeah. Um, so he was working out, and he would find that. He was sort of like double fisting. He'd have like a protein shake in one hand, but also just want to relax with a nice beer in the other. So he's been tinkering around with um, a beer and creating a beer that has a fairly high protein content in it so it can help people, you know, either replenish their nutrients after a workout uh, or help them bulk up afterwards. So he's got two two products, brew, Brewtine and NutriBeer. So one is more of a helping you nourish yourself. The other one is helping you bulk up, which is what a lot of people, a lot of more so guys, I guess, uh, want to do. How do you feel about that? I heard this week, I don't know if it's a scientific term, but I heard the term bigorexia. Have you ever heard of that? What's it called? Bigorexia? Bigorexia. This is what's it's being dubbed the, the new problem for young men. Um, it's, it's the essentially gym monkeys that are obsessed with getting bigger. Yeah. And and they only do it. I mean, you have to feel sorry for them a bit because they've got um, anxiety about their body shape. And I, I, 
I find it rather fascinating that um, so many men are so obsessed with the way they look and go down. Well, the men gym. and women, right? But sometimes yeah, it, you, the goal is different. But I'm talking specifically about bodybuilders that yeah. look huge. Because most, correct me if I'm wrong, most women don't really find extraordinarily big men attractive, do they? N- no. I don't think so. Not unless perhaps that is also your world where you are maybe, you know, a fitness model or bodybuilding and and you are more interested in that. But I think in general, the everyday woman is not looking at a guy who is so big he doesn't have a neck. Exactly. Yeah. But I, I can I get that sometimes when you're in the gym, that culture you're just surrounded by it, right? So you're looking at the guy next to you and you're like, hey, he looks really pumped. Like he's yeah. got huge biceps. I want to mind. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you need to to move, remove yourself from that world a little bit, I think, because you're in this environment Definitely. where everyone's, you know, bigger, more defined, yeah. more cut. And join a different gym because there's bounce there's um gyms for really huge people. A lot of bouncers go to the same gyms. Yeah. So if you're if you're struggling with that, then perhaps join a different gym and get yourself out of that world. But going back to your original question, the beer, uh, conceptually beer. it sounds fantastic. But I do worry that it's gonna taste a bit crap because I find a lot of low carb beers aren't mm-hmm. very nice. So and I assume this is high protein, low carb, is it? Uh, it doesn't say anything about low carb, but I would imagine that it's not um, high carb yeah. if the if the focus is you exactly. Know... But if I try it and if it works, then I'll switch. Sure, because I don't I don't want to be a belly. You and you're not really into fitness anyway. Oh, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> yeah, I would say that. Yeah, yeah. No, I go running every day, but not do on you? the weekends. Yeah, I do. What do you mean do? You don't to sound so shocked. Look at me. Look how gorgeous I am. This not, does not because I'm, like I'm this still so side. angry at you right now because the scent <laughs> lingers in the air. There's like no um, exhaust in here to t- suck the air out. Like in the are you sure the muffins are still good after all this? I don't know. I've tried. They're covered up, so I hope they're protected. <laughs> Thank you, Elliot, for your concern. I was trying not to laugh about this, and I've gone again. Well, yeah, it's not actually really not even that funny to me. But the um, best way to get people back in this scenario is just to invade my nose space with your own oh brain. no i'm like i'm gonna find out where you live and i'm gonna throw dog poo <laughs> at your door you know where i live i saw you outside it the other day yeah i have an idea of where you live and i will find out exactly where you live do you want to tell the listeners why you were hanging outside my house the other day when you're in that hang- restaurant what the other day that's, I don't recall. that's outside my house i don't want to say where it is but that's that about all right it was probably about three. oh the coffee shop that wasn't even the other day Vinny. this is like two three months ago yeah well it stuck with me that you're a stalker uh, I was at a coffee shop. Yeah, but it was you... it was overlooking my house. Yeah? Not really. It was overlooking and the street and you, you biked by. I had some very large sunglasses on, so it makes me think. That was the day that I shocked myself by paying six fifty for a coffee. Remember Good that? God. I was floored. My jaw dropped that the coffee was that much money. Whoa. I've never gone back there for a no, coffee, by the way. Because to... I could have bought a sandwich instead. I live in King West, <laughs> if you're wondering why. And it's all like that. Everything's expensive. Um, hey, have you you've bought like a home um, new before, right? Like without knowing what you were getting until it like because it wasn't built yet. Have you d- no. bought up plans? No, I've never done that. Um, well, I did. So FYI, oh. I'm moving in a couple of weeks, but around the corner from where I live. So I I decided a couple of years ago that. I would buy a little condo, like pre-construction, because you usually get a better price, right? Because it's a couple of years away. So, you know, the hope is that it increases in value. Um, And I thought, well, this is probably a good investment. So I put a deposit down on a 500 square foot condo, which in reality, I don't think is 500 square feet. 
Um, and I just got the keys to it a few days ago. The place is a is a mess. So mm. they, which I'm curious if any listeners are um, have any experience in, in buying a, a new construction. You can text in at seven ten ten, because I haven't heard anyone say that it's been a seamless process. I guess what you trade off is perhaps uh, getting a bit of a better price from having purchased a couple years ago, but then. Why are you laughing so hard? Did you just fart again? <laughs> Stop doing this on the radio. This is but very unprofessional. You're snickering. You're snickering, I've and got I can the tell the face. And I'm trying it hard to get rid of them. Just anyway, a- I just want to say that <laughs> the place is a construction nightmare, and I'm supposed to live in it. The building is a disaster. There's so is full your construction. lease finished on the one that you were living in? Um, I've given notice to my landlord that yeah. I'm moving. Yeah, so that's so totally fine. Have you fine. currently got like tonight? You could sleep in one or one or the other place. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. But so because I will be moving long, for a couple yeah. of weeks, I'll be moving in October. But um, I want. So the closet in the bedroom is one tiny little closet. And it's just the sliding those cheap sliding doors, right? Yeah. Like in every apartment or yeah. condo that I've ever lived in. Cheap. So uh, during the pre-delivery inspection, where you go in and you make sure that you know there's appliances in there and things like that. So I open the closet, I slide the door, and it's just a. There's nothing fancy about this closet. It is like, and I kind of step my foot in it. And she goes, oh, it's kind of like a walk-in closet. And I'm like, you cannot, you can Is this what builders do? Yeah. That they go like, well, you put your foot in it. So it's like a walk-in yeah, closet. Yeah. And I looked at her, I go, well, it's deep enough to put a hanger, which is what every closet yeah, is. Exactly. Like it was not extra deep that you could put in two rods in there, right? And I'm yeah. like, this, you can't, you can't do this. But this is the other thing too. This is what upsets me as someone who spends a lot of time in the kitchen, the oven, is and this will make sense for people who bake or cook. The oven uh, is only 16 inches wide. The the opening and most standard baking sheets are 17 or 18 inches. It looks like, it looks like guys an easy bake oven. Oh, the little That's kitty sad. one. Yeah, no, yeah. no, it's not fun. It's not. So anyway, uh, trust me. This I will try not to talk about this process too much because I know it's boring to people. But um, you know the process, like moving and and buying a home is. Not, not really fun. I don't, I don't enjoy it very much. You're gonna to have to cut down all your existing baking sheets. Yeah, I cut them in half. That's what I'll do. Uh, I don't even know what's coming up in your shop. I was so angry with you. I didn't ask. Do you want to? Don't. I know we're going to news now. What is it? In, in three words. Um, the Pope. Oh, the Pope. Okay, excellent. Um, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Paychen.com is the website at Paychen. I'll be back next Sunday. Supermoon and Vinnie White mm. coming up. Sorry about what I did. Oh God, it's awful.